This is Accent, the Air University Teaching and Learning Center podcast. At Accent, we make connections between teachers, learners, and ideas in military education. The opinions, conclusions, and recommendations expressed or implied in this podcast are solely those of the speakers and do not necessarily represent the views of Air University, the United States Air Force, the Department of Defense, or any other U.S. government agency. Follow us online at www.airuniversity.af.edu slash TLC or on Twitter at Air Teaching for more. Welcome to Axon, the Air University Teaching and Learning Center podcast. I am your host, director of the TLC, Dr. Megan Hennessy, and I am very excited to be here today with Master Sergeant Bonnie Rushing. Hey, Bonnie. Hi, good morning. So Master Sergeant Rushing is course director and academic faculty at the U.S. Air Force Academy in the Military and Strategic Studies Department. She joined the Air Force in 2009 as an airborne linguist and earned her master's degree in strategic intelligence from the National Intelligence University. She is a certified professional innovator. Uh, Definitely need to hear more about that. A language analyst and an experienced special operations aviator. So tell us, Bonnie, what is a certified professional innovator? Uh, I'm glad you asked about that. So there's something called Project Mercury that has been um, basically a program throughout the Air Force and including some civilians as well that teaches us how to problem solve in creative ways. It teaches us how to work in diverse groups, how to come up with unique and wow solutions, and how to pitch. And a lot of the ideas and innovations that come from this program have actually been implemented and funded within the DOD. So basically, we're teaching everyday airmen that they can and should be innovators. I love that. And I love that you use the word wild as well. So what, if I can ask, what are some of the wildest innovations that you've seen around military education through your work as a certified professional innovator? Yeah, so wow and wild and extreme solutions are really what's needed. We have all heard General C.Q. Brown tell us that we have to accelerate change or lose. And so we have to really think outside of the box in the most creative ways. And so for our military education, one of the main things that we've been using and focusing on is the experiential learning, the hands-on learning in our immersive learning environment. So we have something called the multi-domain lab. It's a $9.5 million facility, one of a kind. It has everything from uh, remotely piloted aircraft rooms to op centers and immersive learning devices also known as our flight simulators, where we are able to put cadets in a realistic um, fictional war game scenario set five years into the future. And we can configure this equipment to be any type of aircraft vehicle with any type of armament, put them anywhere in the world, day, night, weather, et cetera, and let them experiment with military operations and using the lesson objectives and class concepts in this laboratory environment so that they can really play out in a safe space all of these ideas and operations. This sounds like exactly the sort of thing that you would want your Air Force Academy cadets to do. Have you seen it be fairly successful there? 
Yes, absolutely. And it's come a long way. So we we did the ribbon cutting on the multi-domain lab, or you'll hear MDL. This was back in fall of 2021. And ever since then, as course director, I and my team of instructors, who are the best team in the world, have continued to update and develop and evolve the way that this lab is used within coursework. We've also been collaborating cross departments with computer science, with law, with political science, with um, behavioral science, so many different ways that this lab can be used for immersive education. And we're only gonna continue to grow from there. Thank you. And I have seen the lab in person. Uh, I got the chance to take a TDY to the Academy earlier this year. And that's where I met you, Bonnie. So I'm excited that we've come full circle and you're willing to talk with us today. When I visited with you earlier in the year, I really wanted to get more information about the 9-H Enlisted Academic Faculty Program. And that's really what I'd love to talk to you more about today. Can you share what exactly that is? Yeah, absolutely. So we are trying to spread the word. So I'm so glad that you wanted to ask about it. We've just created a Facebook page and it's in this special developmental duties documents, but we really need to spread the word that this program not only exists, but it's growing. We are up to 10 enlisted faculty who teach full-time at the Air Force Academy and now starting this academic year at the prep school as well. Now, the enlisted faculty, they have to have the same credentials as our officer faculty and you know civilian professor counterparts. That means at least a master's degree from an accredited university that matches one of the departments. And, you know, they have this teaching experience, this background, this passion for education. And we do the same jobs as our counterparts. I'm in the classroom full time. We have access to all of the opportunities, which include uh, the Dean's teaching certificate, uh, the master of teaching uh, community certificate, they have all of these opportunities to grow as uh, a professional teacher. You can be course director like I am currently as well. And then from there, you have even further opportunities. You can promote to senior instructor. And now for the first time ever targeted at the 9H AFSC, I'll be the first PhD candidate on the enlisted side, fully funded by the Air Force. Yes, I am applauding you from my desk here at Maxwell Air Force Base in Alabama. I'm so excited about that. Why did the program decide to go that route? I think that this program went that route and its initial start was because our enlisted uh, airmen, man, they're, they're just getting so educated everyone's getting their undergrad, their master's degree, and they wanna have more pathways uh, to use this education. And the Air Force and the greater DOD can benefit from putting these individuals in the classroom who are highly motivated. Most of the time they've earned this education in their free time, um, some of them paying out of pocket and they're just you know, incredibly, incredibly talented, incredibly intelligent. Um, and so I feel like we do get a lot of really good uh, use out of those degrees that 
we have in the enlisted corps like never before. And without student loans. Good for you. Not my experience, but good for you. <laughs> so what, what are you going to study? So as faculty in the military and strategic studies department, the pathways for my doctorate are usually, they tend to be somewhere within the international relations, uh, security studies, public administration, policy, these types of things. Um, so I am currently searching, I'm researching different programs that I would be, um, you know, obviously challenged and successful, uh, able to complete it within the three-year timeline um, that I can add real valuable research to my field. I, already, I love writing and researching and publishing, and this will give me an opportunity to do it on a huge scale. So I'm looking stateside. Um, I would say either here in Colorado or somewhere on the East Coast, but I'm pretty open. That's so exciting. And I, I can think of no better person than you <laughs> to be the first person to go through this program based on what I know about you, having met you, and also what I see you doing on LinkedIn. You are always up to something and really are the face of this 9-H program. Um, can you tell us a little bit more, what exactly do enlisted faculty bring to the fight? Why, why is it important to have them there at the academy and in other military education settings? So that's a really awesome question. I'm glad you asked it. It's, it's really important to bring that diversity of perspective into the classroom. I am able to share stories from, you know, the enlisted standpoint, jobs that only enlisted people have worked. Like for me, I was a linguist for over a decade, bringing those types of stories. What's happening in, you know, in the back of your aircraft, a lot of the cadets want to be pilot, but what about the rest of your crew? A lot of them are enlisted, and so I can add to that perspective. And I think a lot of the times, cadets, they go through here at the Air Force Academy with very minimal contact with their enlisted counterparts. It's a little backwards here. So it's a lot of officers and not a lot of enlisted. And so it brings extra um, contact time with the enlisted force and it helps them see, wow, they are talented, they are educated. I can lean on them as mentors when I'm a young lieutenant. Maybe I should, you know, see my NCOs and senior NCOs as true mentors and feel comfortable talking to them and working with them. That has definitely been my own experience. I'm a direct commission officer in the Navy Reserve. And I would not have survived my first uh, tour of duty without my chief there in the unit and absolutely depended on him for so many things. Shout out to Chief Henry from U.S. Fleet Forces Command. And what have you seen in terms of um, the reactions of the cadets and how they speak with you and the other enlisted faculty? Can you share anything about those experiences? Yes, absolutely. So I, I teach and direct the largest core course here, which is called Air Power and Joint Operations Strategy. And by core course, I mean it's required of all cadets, regardless of their major. And so I have, you know, contact with all of the cadets that go through, they have to go through my course. And it gives everybody kind of a fair opportunity to 
you know, have me as a teacher or interact with me in some way. And what I'm hearing from a lot of the cadets is that, well, first, <laughs> kind of funny, they're like, I looked at my schedule and it said Master Sergeant Rushing. I thought this must be an error. Um, a lot of them can sometimes get through the entire academy um, experience without ever having an enlisted faculty member, uh, which is unfortunate. But the cadets that I do get to see, they express to me that they feel this sense of comfort talking to me and they don't know if it's a rank thing, um, but they really love my perspectives. A lot of them want to talk to me. I'm, a, I'm an academic advisor as well about um, academics, about life advice and things like that because they say, oh, you don't have a bias like an officer might about which career fields I should consider. And so it gives them an extra outlet and an extra type of person to teach them and, and to mentor them. And I really do feel like they appreciate it. I mean, in my end of course feedback, I average a 4.9 out of 5. So I think I'm doing pretty well. Can we steal you away to Air University? You're not the first one to ask that. <laughs> uh, that's great. And I think that's something that we're talking a lot about here at Air University is what are some components of teaming with uh, the enlisted personnel that we can bring into the degree granting officer professional military education programs? Do you, like thinking hypothetically here, do you see any future where there's two, true integration of the enlisted and officer sites in sort of a degree granting program, for instance? I think that that's absolutely possible. When I went through National Intelligence University, I was a, I was a young staff sergeant, E5, and I had officers of different ranks and civilians from throughout the intelligence community in my class and everyone treated me and continues to treat me with respect even if I am the most junior ranking person in the room or in a program or in the department and I feel like that's becoming the norm at least in the Air Force. I think it definitely should be. We're, we're talking a lot about methods by which to um, enhance that collaboration in an educational setting, like educational wargaming, helping to increase that affective response from every student, no matter what their background is. Is that anything that you guys have tried at the academy? Well, I think as far as that is concerned, the wargaming that we do in, in the course that I uh, teach and direct you know, I'm in front of the classroom. I actually play one of the the characters in the fictional media and then the scenario. Um, and so I feel like at least my cadets that are in, you know, in my sections, they get exposure to that. Um, but at this time, there's no other enlisted teaching the courses that include board gaming. Well, hopefully that um, 10 personnel that you mentioned earlier that are part of the program will continue to increase and will get a better look into how much value that program really provides not only to the academy but the entire air force and department of defense uh, what's next for the program besides the phd route for you and maybe trying to get more people in right now we are um we're always trying to expand uh, we're always trying to see what we can do as far as you know billets and budgets are concerned um but yeah it's a three-year tour so i 
think, I believe the next time that we'll be looking for some fresh blood into the program will be my replacement next winter. Um, so if you know any, you know, hard charging tech sergeants, master surgeons who have military or strategic or political science backgrounds, tell them to get those applications ready because um, that opportunity will pop up again here um, next winter. Is there anything that you haven't liked about your experience in that program or things that you might do differently if you were starting that three years over again? This has been the best assignment of my career. I think the one downside is that we are so outnumbered by our officer counterparts that it's sometimes hard to um, find other enlisted even on a, a daily basis. And so I, this is the first time in years that I don't actually have subordinate troops. I have, I have no airmen or you know, even NCOs that work in my department. And so um, I think that that is one thing that's missing, but that does happen to a lot of folks who are in special duties. So um, we try to make the best of it. Um, you know, I work, I try to go to the top three meetings. I try to find and mentor airmen wherever I can, especially with the professional innovator uh, certificate. I can coach airmen and go TDY and do things like that. But it's a very different environment. It did take me a little bit of time to get used to, but other than that, there's there's really no negatives here that I have experienced. I think we need to change your job role to public affairs officer because you're doing a great job of making me want to do this program. Thank you for sharing so much about it. Is there anything else you wanna share with us today in terms of uh, military education and your experience at the Academy? I think the main thing left is I have some work in progress with the SODL team with the Master, Mastery of Teaching Certificate Community. So for the scholarship of teaching and learning here, and I think you know you met me when I had just started that project. My project does focus on the wargaming aspect and how advancing education in the classroom will help decision-making in the war game, so in the immersive environment and potentially real world as well. So hopefully I'll have some more data and research to share with you on that topic soon. Yes, well, now that you've said it, we have to dive in. What's, what's your research design look like or what are you leaning towards? I basically want to gather data from you know, the baseline course, what we typically offer in the class, and then look at a special data set from um, classes that have received extra education on things like information operations, propaganda, disinformation, things like that, and then see how they react and make decisions based on those fictional media injects, based on that environmental input in the war game scenario because there's something called the CNN effect that I've been researching lately and it basically shows that the media can help or can kind of nudge decision makers, even presidents, into making really, really important choices. And so that's something that I wanted to see. Can this be uh, isolated and taught in in the classroom and war game environment. And so I'm, I'm really excited to see how it turns out.
So it sounds like this is an intervention study with exposure to uh, media influence. I'm going to teach extra, you know, news literacy and how to check sources and things like that. And so maybe they'll have extra, you know, considerations for how they're making decisions based on media. So yes, uh, very excited. Oh, that's so great. And I, I bet you're wishing that you could use that research for your <laughs> doctoral dissertation. Uh, maybe, maybe you should put it on pause just for a little while, <laughs> and then you can use it for both settings. Um, I, count me in. I want to hear those findings and see if there's some way we can replicate that design here at Air University just to see if that influence is felt across different demographics. That would be fascinating. I'm standing by for your research update. Thanks, Bonnie. Thank you. Yeah, we'll definitely see how it goes and see if there's some, you know, some way to build on it, to grow it, either with Air University or later in my dissertation as well. Well, thank you so much for spending some time with us. I really appreciate it. Uh, Master Sergeant Bonnie Rushing, the first ever enlisted uh, faculty member to be funded by the Air Force for her, her PhD, and you met her here on the, the Axon podcast. Um, thank you so much, Bonnie. I really appreciate it. Thank you. I hope you have a good day. You too. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Axon, the Air University Teaching and Learning Center podcast. Stay current on these and other ideas in military education by following us online at www.airuniversity.af.edu/tlc or on Twitter at airteaching.